you for tuning in to The Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. lovers, imagine what it would be like to see the spoken words of a gifted storyteller crystallizing into tangible objects right before your eyes. This idea was what drew me into Lindsay A. Franklin's debut fiction novel, The Story Peddler. But great news is there are two more in the series, The Story Raider and The Story Hunter. You are going to love these award-winning books. Lindsay Franklin is a wonderful author. She's a homeschooling mom of three. But the best part is, once you start her stories, you're going to be entranced, as if you were drawn by a story weaver. Check out all Lindsay's books wherever books are sold. Yesterday, I was on a Zoom call with three writers that I mentor in my writing program, Write That Book. Side note, you can find out more if you'd like to be mentored. Just go to my website, trishagoyer.com. But back to my story. In the middle of talking about book proposals, podcast recordings, coaching other writers, and book projects, one of the women, Pam, said, can you believe the conversations we're having? A few years ago, we were wondering if we'd be able to write one or two blog posts per month, and now we're sharing about our book projects. It was really an exciting moment for all of us, as she pointed that out. I've been meeting month by month with these women for a few years, and most months I hear something like this, well, I didn't get much done this month. Yet the amazing thing is that things did get done. More than that, over time, the evidence of all their hard work is seen. It has paid off. Those little moments have added up into big goals being accomplished. So as this year is ending, can you believe it? (laughs) Crazy 2021 is almost at the end. It's a perfect time for us to pause and think back. What growth have you seen in the last year or even the last few years in your home, your work, your family, or even your faith? How are you depending on God? Are you trusting him more now than you did three years ago? That's growth, even if it's slow growth. The thing is, we don't like to grow slow, but that's how things tend to work in nature and in life. Planting and tending are complete acts of faith. Just as a farmer plants seeds and waits, We often don't see growth or change right away. Almost never do we see growth or change right away. The harvest always takes longer than we hope. So today, my guest and I will be talking about growing slow. Jennifer says, sometimes we feel like a seed in the dark and we don't know when we're going to burst forth. Can you relate to that? I totally can. 
Jennifer Dukes Lee lives on a fifth-generation Lee family farm in Iowa, where she and her husband are raising crops, pigs, and two beautiful humans. She writes books, she loves queso, and she enjoys singing too loudly to songs with great harmony. And once upon a time, she didn't believe in Jesus, but now she says he's her CEO. So we're going to be talking about her books, her book called Growing Slow. But the fun thing about this interview is that when we recorded it, it was the middle of July. And I came home and recorded it after a day that I spent the morning at the pool with my kids. Yet now as it's releasing, it's fall, and we're preparing for Thanksgiving in a few days. But these truths and the things that we talk about are still the same. So outside my window right now, it's a blaze of color in Arkansas. There's red and orange and yellow. It's just so beautiful. But within a few weeks, maybe a month, they'll just be naked limbs stretching into the air. I remember in winter when I just see these naked limbs, I think I can't even remember what it looks like for those trees to have leaves, but then they come first green and then they grow big. And then in the fall, this amazing, beautiful color. So as I look out the window, I know it's a reminder that God is at work. And over the next month, as the holidays roll in, I'll be spending more time at home. I'll be enjoying family. But there might be also some grieving as of losses because not everything in this year has worked out like I planned. And maybe you feel the same. Maybe you look back on the year and think, yeah, things didn't really quite go the way I wanted. We always have these great imaginations and then they seem to fall short. But Jennifer reminds us in this podcast that it's okay to grieve. Winter seasons make about a quarter of our year and a quarter of our lives. She talks about this in the podcast. And really this moment, we think we always want just the good things, the happy things, the sunny things, the new growth things. But if you look back, there are those seasons when we've had death in our family, when we've had losses, when we've had health issues, when we've had other struggles. Yeah, that's about true. About a quarter of our lives are spent during those winter seasons. But the good news is that God has not just given us work, he's also given us rest. And he can work in those winter seasons too. Jennifer says, we don't have to chase our life down to get the life we want. We just have to slow our life down. It's right here. And that was such a wonderful, beautiful quote. So I hope this episode will remind you that you are not just a seed planter, but that God is also planting seeds in you. And he delights in the little things that grow slowly in its time. Just like with those other three writers, as we're talking about all the wonderful things that are happening in their writing, we only realize that when we looked back, when we stopped and paused, and seen how far they have come over the years. If God is patient in the slow growth, I think that maybe we should be too. So enjoy this podcast. If you're like me and you love Christmas books, check out Have Yourself a Christensen Christmas, a holiday story from your favorite small town family by Susan May Warren. It's Christmas in the winter wonderland town of Deephaven. Grace is worried about her husband's life-changing illness, 
Eden is facing devastating news. Casper isn't over his head, of course. Amelia is dodging a walk down the aisle. Owen, well, Owen just nearly died again. But it's Derek who has news that just might destroy the family legacy. This year, spend Christmas with your favorite small town family. Have yourself a Merry Christian Christmas. Available on November 25th at your favorite book retailer. Welcome so much, Jennifer. This is such a treat. I have known about you for a very long time and have been an, an admirer of your work from afar. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time. We're recording this in the middle of summer where there's, you know, kids and sunshine and all the activities. And it's fun just to like, okay, I'm going to go have an adult conversation now and talk with a friend. That's right. We're, we're in the midst of uh, summer fun here. Um, we're at a place on the lake with a bunch of college girls. I've got one daughter that's a freshman, just finished her freshman year at Iowa State, and I've got another who's going to be a junior in high school. So I sent all of those noisy girls out on a boat ride. Oh, fun. <laughs> well, that sounds great. <laughs> and noisy girls are fun. I just did. We have we have four girls between the ages of, well, now sixth grade and uh 12th grade and I just went to the girl youth party Wednesday night at another lady's house and girls when they get giggly and fun it is the funnest time to be it to is. be a, around that it is I I'm surprised honestly how much I've enjoyed parenting older children mm -hmm. it honestly scared me because I think you know I look back on my teenage self and I think oh I wouldn't want to have to raise one of those I know. <laughs> but <laughs> it's been it's been really good and uh, raising an adult child is a brand new adventure and it's none of it's been easy I wouldn't say but there's just so many so much joy in seeing our children come into who God made them to be I take great joy in that. Absolutely. And my oldest is 32 and then have uh, mm -hmm. three in their 20s. And I'm telling you, even even when they get older, like they have their own jobs and houses and they just come over for like a game and dinner. I'm like, this is fun. I'm, I don't have to do any parenting. I just get to enjoy their company. <laughs> so it's really That's great. great. Well, I love, okay, we're going to be talking about growing slow. And the um, subtitle is Lessons on Unhurrying your heart from an accidental farm girl. And I just want to start by that accidental farm girl thing, because um, I mean, you know, my favorite book series growing up is like little house in the prairie. And I have the tiniest little garden in my, my backyard, but I think some of us um, might think, Oh, that sounds amazing living in a farm. Other people might be like, no, never. I never want to live on a farm, but tell us about how you became an accidental farm girl. Well, I used to be a no, not ever category girl. <laughs> I, I grew up in small town, Iowa. I grew up in the same house in the same sleepy little town with 342 people. And, you know, all of these people who knew me and held me as a baby were, you know, attending my graduation yeah. and wedding and all those sorts of things, like a lot of consistency. And I didn't really appreciate how wonderful that was until I um, came into adulthood. But um, I said when I was 18, I'm leaving this kind of place and I'm never coming back and went to college and fell in love with a farmer. So there you go. 
But, you know, honestly, he had no uh, desire to be a farmer. He went to law school. Mm. And so the two of us were living a really fast paced life um, with lives uh, kind of moving in two separate directions, really sort of like ships passing in the night. And sometimes I look back on it and think it's a wonder our marriage even survived. But um, after we started thinking about having a family, it was clear to us that we weren't going to be able to maintain that past pace, nor did we want to. It was taking a toll on everything. And while I'm proud of um, some of the things that we accomplished early in life, I see now God's hand in bringing us to a place that I never imagined myself living. And that's my husband's fifth generation family farm. And that's what makes me an accidental farm wife. I, I didn't ever intend for that to be my life, but that's where God captured my heart. That's where we have raised our children in the same way that I was raised in the same house, all of their growing up Mm -hmm. years and the same people that held them as babies um, were at their, are at their graduations and probably going to be at their weddings and all those sorts of things. So that beautiful kind of um, consistency has, has really taught us in a way what it means to grow slow. Um, And it doesn't mean it's a perfect life. Farm, farm life is difficult. There are, Years like the one we're in right now where we're in a drought and we plant these seeds in the ground and pray for the Lord to bring rain, but there's literally nothing that we can do to make the crops grow. So it's, it's really been uh, both beautiful and hard, but I wouldn't have it any other way now. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, you have to be so in tune with nature and God's hand in nature. And I, you talk in the book about the rain, you know, of course that's a different season now you're in a drought and we drove through Iowa. We, so uh, John's family lives in Montana and we were able to live in Montana for 15 years. So we weren't on a farm, but I understand that rural, you know, that rural type of living. There was cows out my back window. They just were not my cows. So, um, but we drove (laughs) through Iowa and there was, I mean, flooding, like I couldn't believe we were on both sides of the highways. We're driving from Arkansas to Montana. Um, And so I know that, Farming is a lot harder than we imagine. It, it seems so idyllic when we're you know, thinking of, oh, we could go out and feed the chickens and all these things. But you really right. have to be in t- tune with nature. And what I love, one of the things, many there's many things I love about the book, but one of the things I love is that you go through the seasons of mm-hmm. life as you're going through the book and talking about the planting and all the you know, harvesting, all the things that go with nature. But as you're talking about a drought now and you're talking about a flood in the book. I would just love to hear a little right. bit just about how you're able to see God's hand and in life and be so in tune with nature when you're living the kind of lifestyle that you are. Yes. So my husband, Scott, says that he learns a much as much about God and faith mm. on the seat of his tractor as he does in a seat at church. Yeah. Because it, it, it's it's absolutely true that um Planting and farming is an act of faith and an act of dependence on God. There are certain things that we get to do. We get to plant seeds, and that's an exciting time in the spring. And anybody who's planted a garden knows how fun that is. And anybody who's planted anything in life, whether that's a book idea or a podcast or a business or a ministry or planting those first seeds into a child to see what Mm -hmm. may grow, that's exciting. 
And then comes summer growth on a farm. And that too can be exciting. At first we see no growth at all. And we look out on the fields and think, wow, when is anything green ever going to pop up? But we know it will because God always makes something happen. And the same is true in life. Sometimes we feel like we're a seed buried in the dark and we don't know when we get to burst forth and when is it our turn? And that can be difficult. But in that process, we are already beginning to put down good roots into the ground. And that's a very beautiful thing that happens in places that nobody can see. And then one day we look up and we see little bits of growth. And in summer, um, sometimes with the crops, the growth day after day is nearly imperceptible. You can't see it. And I think the same is true in our life. We can't really see the growth until we pause from time to time and look back to see how far we've come. And then, of course, harvest is uh, another very exciting time on a farm. Um, my husband just gets absolutely so excited when those fields turn a sort of yellowish mustard color and it's time to get into the fields and shear it all back and put it in wagons and haul it into town. That's all quite exciting. And the same is true in life. Harvest times can be both very rewarding and and very difficult too. Rewarding in the sense that it's exciting to see the fruit of your labor um, come to be, that fully ripened thing in your hand, but also some sadness with it. I felt that way when when Lydia went to college. I just bawled at the dorm room, you know, like saying goodbye. Oh my goodness. And uh, knowing that now it's time for her to plant her own fields um, without me hovering over her. So harvest is is a beautiful um, metaphor for life as well. And then finally, I think this is so important, is these seasons of winter. Mm-hmm. One fourth of a growing season where we live is winter. And you look out the window and it seems as if nothing is happening and there is no growth and no good thing. And it seems dreary and blah. And I think, you know, who wants to go through a winter season of the soul? And in fact, when I wrote the book, Trisha, I told my editor, I only wrote two chapters for winter because nobody wants to read about winter. I just don't want to deal with winter. And she sent me back the manuscript and she said, of course, you need to say more about winter. (laughs) (laughs) So on round two of the edits is when I I think that I learned the most about myself wow. and really um, um, had the, maybe one of the most meaningful writing experiences of my life. And it, I, what here's what I realized. I have often been a girl who goes from plant, grow, harvest, plant, grow, harvest, plant, grow, harvest. Like I'm not very, I don't winter well. I don't like those seasons of darkness and cold. Um, But what happened is that I began to study what's happening under the ground during winter, and it brought to mind my very first job in that little town that I lived in, and it was called Picking Rock. And a farmer would come into town and round up a bunch of us kids in the back of his pickup, which I know there, we didn't have seatbelts on. I, sometimes I just, we talk to our kids all the time. Like we laid on (laughs) the floorboards, we're in the windows. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Right. So we're all in the big after bouncing out to somebody's field. And then they had a flatbed tractor and, um, you would hop off if you saw a big rock and you would yell rock. So the other kids would, you know, move out of the way. So we wouldn't hit them in the head with a boulder. So again, really high workplace safety standards. (laughs) 
<laughs> but the reason that we had to do this is because the rocks would hurt farm equipment in the spring. And the reason those rocks were there is because of winter. So winter was doing its work in the land. Winter unearths um, and heaves forth stones that are buried in the soil and that have always been there, but you couldn't see them. And so each spring after the frost thaw cycle begins, you have to go out and start to pick up those rocks. And I'm like, oh, Lord, yep. That's when, what winter is for. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that winter does in us because we all carry in our hearts burdens that are like rocks and that they are buried deep. deep. And um, if we don't let winter do, do its work, we'll just end up carrying those rocks around for the rest of our lives. And we will, in essence, hurt the equipment. Yeah. And so in winter seasons of life, these are opportunities to really explore who we are and what burdens us and what hurts us and to allow those rocks to come forth and to let God pick rock in our hearts and walk with us to carry those burdens to the foot of the cross. And so that became such a meaningful lesson for me and also revealed to me how many rocks I've been carrying around because I even that when I'm writing Growing Slow, it was all about growing. At least you're growing something. Like you have to be growing. Right, you know, right. I mean, I may, I may have learned the fact that I don't have to grow fast, but I still got to be growing. And I realized, no, if the land needs one fourth of a growth season to just chill, then maybe I do too. That is so good. And, you know, when I'm thinking about that, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up because as I'm going through your book and I mean, just like, okay, yeah, so what we all need to slow down, but we do have those seasons of our lives where it seems like we're not going anywhere or, or things are like really, really hard. We just went through a tough season with one of our adopted girls who just did not want to be in our house anymore. She was almost 18. She wanted to be with her biological mom and now she is. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to fix things and help her and all these things. I'm realizing like, even though on that outward, I'm still posted on social media and look at what the other kids and I are doing and all these wonderful things. But mm-hmm. man, that is a tough season of our life. And it's still tough because, you know, she's 18, but she's not here anymore. She chose to go back to the place that, you know, the foster care, she was in foster care for a reason. And it's mm-hmm. so hard that um, it gets oh, easy yeah. when we're in these seasons. And I feel now that I mean, totally on my knees daily with God, like releasing her, releasing the situation and feeling a peace now that, you know, he has her, even though she's not here in our home. Um, and I feel like it's almost like, okay, I could see a little bit of spring again. Um, I could see hope. Mm-hmm. I could see with our kids, my younger kids that are still at home, we're going to the pool and we're enjoying, we don't have the trauma of the conflict that she was bringing all the time. Um, but it's hard even as we're like going from winter to even spring to, to realize like, Okay, I'm drop. I drop that burden off. I don't have to keep going back. I don't right. have to pick it up. God has these things for us, and He has my child in His hands. Um, but mm. it's so easy to forget to release those things, release those rocks, and to to realize right. I can, I can move on, and God does have good plans for me and my children, and we can start enjoying um, just the life He's giving us instead of always going back to those burdens. You know what else your story reminds me of with your daughter that went to her birth mother? Um, sometimes we plant seeds and we've seen seasons of growth, mm-hmm. but before the harvest really comes, we don't get the opportunity to harvest it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I feel in a way that that's 
that's what's, you know, that's kind of been taken from you, which is something that is worth grieving. I mm -hmm. think that a lot of us have, you know, planted seeds and things, and this is going to be good, you know, and then all of a sudden, three years later, the business falls apart or the relationship dissolves, um, the marriage breaks up, um, what have you. And we never really get to see the harvest that was dreamed about at the beginning. And that's, that's a hard place to be. And I know that God, who is the Lord of the harvest, enters into those places and soothes those wounds and gives us space to grieve. But I do think that we need to allow ourselves these times to grieve. And I, I think that's a good yeah. part of winter season too, is to look back on the past and see what has been a disappointment, what has broken, what hasn't gone the way that we wanted it to. What can, what can, how can I handle things differently moving forward? Or how, Lord, how can you help me accept what I can't change moving forward? Yeah, that's so good too. I, I, I love that, that um, we don't take time to grieve because all of us have those dreams, those career, you know, we thought we'd be someplace within our career or in a relationship or with a child. And right. there are those disappointments. And um, yeah, I love that we can go to God and he is there to comfort us. Um, and then I also have hope that, you know, our daughter, we adopted her when she was 13. She was in our house for five years. She was mm -hmm. doing devotions with us. She heard about God. She, you know, so those, those are seeds that I planted. That's that true. we never Beautiful. know. <laughs> we never know when they will take root, but they're planted in her heart. They're there. She was the most excited every time we read a missionary book. She'd be crying along with mm. me as we read the story. So I know, I know God's going to do a work in her too. So, but it's not how I pictured it, <laughs> but we never right. know. We could, we just trust that it's in his hands. Yes. What a lesson of trust for sure. Are you looking for engaging superhero stories? How about urban fantasy? You know, something your preteens or teens would be interested in? Meet Mercury Hale, monster slayer, paid vigilante, and hero of mystical realms. But the problem is, Mercury is not who he thinks he is, and he's not alone. This is a super fun series for those who love action, adventure, and superhero movies. These books prove that Christian fiction is expanding its boundaries. There are creatures with tentacles and blue ooze on the first page. What's not to love about that? Check out Mercury at Risk and the rest of the books in the series from Steve Raza. Now, what I love, too, is you talked about unhurried hearts. And, you know, we, we began the podcast, you talked about, you know, living this very fast paced life and then coming to the farm. But I think even when we do learn to slow maybe our pace and put wide space on our calendars, which is things you, you talk about in the book, we can have hurried hearts where we always feel like we're not doing enough. We're not enough. So I would just love for you to share a little bit about that, because I really know that's a big message from this book. Right. So I think a lot of times when people start to ask me about hurried hearts or think about hurried, having a hurried heart, they automatically think about their mm -hmm. calendar. Like, well, it will be just as simple as taking things off of the to-do list or off of the calendar, but that's not true. Um, the thing that is really at base here, foundationally broken, 
in our culture is that the culture makes us feel like we are falling behind yeah. in everything, that we are not meeting milestones. And when our feet hit the floor immediately, we're like, I just, you know, I should be further along by now. And we might not say those words, but it's, it's how we feel. It's the way that teenage girls that I know right now are like, I don't know what I'm going to, I can't even hardly think about college because I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I, I don't know what I want to be for the rest of my life. And you and I both know that when you're 17 years old and you decide you're going to be one thing, by the time exactly. you're 30, you're probably going to be Nothing something else. Yeah. I mean, yeah, says the accidental farm girl married to a, yeah. law student, a law school graduate now living on a farm. And so I think there's just so much pressure. And then once you're in college, it's like, oh, I got to find somebody now. You know, this is the time when that happens. And then pretty soon it's I'm falling behind related to, to children and maybe more children. And, oh, I need a I need a house, a 3,500 square foot house. And then, oh, I need a bigger house with three car garage. And, oh, I need a lake house. And how's my five, 401k? You know, it's just like all of these things continue to put sort of pressure on us. And so the first thing we have in the morning is mm -hmm. hurry sickness. And we pick up our phones and our main, our, our, our brains begin to race toward all that must be done. And um, we know that hurry sickness and a hurried heart can happen even aside from the to-do to-do list, because look how we felt through a lot yeah. of COVID. Um, our calendars were whited out, but people were still, they were feeling even more behind. Like this is setting me behind. Like now I lost a year of, you know, I know single people, I lost a year of my right. dating life. I couldn't date anybody in COVID or I, you know, this has hurt my authors who say this really hurt my career as an author because nobody was buying my kind of book. Um, so it's just, it created a new level of urgency, unfortunately. And now that, the, that we're in this post pandemic world, all of a sudden people are trying to go fast to make up for lost time. Um, and so I just really caution people right now to think about those early days of lockdown. And obviously we never want to have no, to go back yeah. to that again, but there was something really interesting that happened for all of us because we turned inward um, to the people and places that we that felt like home and that gave us comfort and, and security in the time of um, of turmoil. Um, a lot of us were in our Bibles way more than we ever were before. We were sitting down for family di dinners that we forgot how to even make happen before. We were taking long walks in our neighborhoods. You couldn't even get yeast at the grocery store because people were all of a sudden I was baking, baking bread, bread I made I taught my daughters how to make yeah. bread I taught my daughters how to sew right. aprons I mean we walk I learned how to watercolor yes. paint and we got up with the table was filled with for weeks and weeks our dining room table with all the watercolor and all the craft things because we were just no one was coming over I didn't need to clean my house we were just watercolor right. painting absolutely <laughs> yes it was not about like impressing in impressing anyone it wasn't about like checking boxes off i mean the whole world not oh, not everybody doctors and nurses and yeah, grocery yeah. store clerks all deserve medals at this point um and i know that it was hard for you know parents who were doing their jobs and trying to homeschool their kids so i don't want to minimize any of that but i think that we can all look back and even amidst the tragedy see ways and things that maybe we want to carry forward I know for me, I made a list of things that I wanted to keep doing. Um, I wanted to hang on to my daily walks. I wanted to still prioritize family dinners where we experimented with different things that we'd never made before. Um, 
you know, just, and one, a big thing for me was I was more creative in thinking, how do I bless Mm -hmm. my neighbor right now when I can't actually hug her or see her? And I want to have that kind of commitment to generosity and loving others well that I did during those first weeks and months. That's something I want to carry. And I really love, I mean, it really is the mindset of, um, I, you know, you talk about in the book, like feeling like we can't do enough, that we aren't enough. We need to do more. Um, and you know, now I, I I record on Fridays, a podcast or two. And then I'm like, after that's done, I'm done with my work for the weekend. As you know, as a writer, there's always something to work on. There's always something to write. There's always, I'm just going to jot this down. I'm just going to post this on social media. And it's just that mindset where, okay, by three o'clock on Friday, I'm done. I'm done for the week. I'm not going to weekend. I'm not going to work on stuff has been so freeing and I could have done that 20 years ago when I was working on book projects you know instead but it is it really just comes to us realizing that um that God has not just given us work but he's also given us rest and he's given us the ability to realize that we don't have to have those hurried hearts where we feel like I just have to do more and more and more that that is not from God <laughs> that we can. He wants right. us to invest like you're talking about invest in these relationships and these, these things that breathe life into us. Yes. Figuring out what those are, like what is most important and how can I prioritize my life in a way that elevates those things that are most important? I think that people think that in order to get the life they want, they have to chase that mm-hmm. life down. And, and go big or go home. But we don't have to chase that life down to get the life we want. We have to slow that life down. It is right here. It is right in front of our eyes, wherever we are. In And my goal in writing Growing Slow was, number one, to help people see that it's possible to slow down and how God has made a way for that to happen and how he shows us through seasons. But the other thing that I wanted to do is validate yeah. the good, small things that people are already growing it doesn't have to look like somebody else's field. God is growing good things right now. And not, not just the things that in the plant, the things that we're planting in fields, but Paul wrote uh, in one of his letters to the Corinthians, he said, you are God's field. And I think that's so Mm -hmm. beautiful because it reminds me that I am not just a seed planter. God is planting seeds in me and he delights in letting things grow slowly in me all those things that he thinks are really important. And if God has grace to have let me grow slowly, then maybe I should too, to allow myself to just grow into all that God made me to be and to remember that I am God's field. Yeah, and, and that we are loved just as we are. Um, and you know, one thing that you talked about was the Pharisees were the ones that were trying to prove themselves to God. And I never thought, I right. mean, I'm like, you know that, you know how you know things, but then when you read it, I'm like, wow, right. that is, it was such a, like, that is so true. And that we try to have all these ideas of what we need to do for God be substitutes for actually the relationship with God and just enjoying mm-hmm. him. And so I love um, how, how you brought that out, that, that it is about, you know, the questions that you said, you know, we have to ask ourselves is who am I? What defines me? What gives me worth? Where do I find my love and acceptance? And we're never going to find our love and acceptance by trying to prove ourselves. Um, that That's is a relationship right. with Jesus. 
Right. And the Pharisees, you know, I think we kind of vilified them to the point that we forget some of why they were doing what they were doing. You know, they thought this is the way, this yeah. is how it is. You know, we, 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 we really love and want to honor God and respect him. And so we're just going to go through all these rules because this is mm-hmm. what it takes. This is what it takes. And Jesus shows us an entirely different way. And he flipped all that upside down. And that changes the way that we, that should change the way that we operate and how we view our growth, um, in the things that we're growing for him and in the things that he is growing in us. I love that. You also say small things matter and tiny seeds grow. And I love like you, you talked about again early in the podcast. And when we look back, we'll see growth in, in things that maybe we didn't even think were things worth tending to. And suddenly we're like, God has yeah. been there. God, look where God is working. And we didn't even realize. I mean, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 50 next week. And so now looking back, the things that I thought really didn't matter are the things that I cherish. And the things that I was getting so hurried and busy about, I'm thinking, well, that doesn't really matter. And so just, I think as we wrapping up this podcast, I would just love to hear um, you share for the listener today that's like, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. I know I need to focus on what really matters. Um, but what would you say to them about those, those tiny seeds and, and that growth that God wants to do in their lives? I would encourage them to take time each day to value and validate their own good Mm. growth and to take moments to look back and see where growth has happened. I know that in my life, sometimes I'll think, oh, I I don't know if, you know, I'm on the right trajectory as an author. Maybe I should have like hit the New York Times bestseller list by now or something like that. You know, I can fall into that too. But if I look back, you know, eight years ago when I would have given anything for God to answer my prayer to get a literary agent, And then now I've written four books and two Bible studies, and I get to be an acquisitions editor that publishes other people's books in the Christian space. What a (laughs) wild ride. What a gift. Like how, you know, not even just in that, like when I look at my children, like in the the less public ways, it it isn't just the big things, but like if we take moments to just look at how I've grown in my relationship with God, how I've grown in my relationship with my husband. There are ups and downs in all of those things, but my goodness, look, we're, we just we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. Let's take mm. time to celebrate those wonderful good things, not in a big fancy way, but just to acknowledge our love story that has grown. And so to anybody out there listening, I would just just encourage you to give yourself grace and take a moment to look back and see how far you've come and celebrate the good things that God is growing in you and through you. That's a perfect way to end it. I um, just love your words. I love your heart. I'm enjoying this book so much. I was listening to it as I'm laying by the pool earlier today with my kids swimming, the the (laughs) community pool. Um, And so, and I'm sitting there thinking, this is where, this is right. I'm listening to something that's feeding my soul. I'm watching my kids play. This is a good moment. And I cherish that moment because you were reminding me to cherish that moment. So thank you so much for your heart. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for reminding us of the good things that God has put into us and to take time to celebrate those things. So Jennifer, where can people go to find more information about you and your book? I'm Jennifer Dukesley on Instagram and Facebook, and almost every weekday I am there in the morning um, posting something that I hope is encouraging to to people, and especially women. Um, and then also, if you want to know more about the book, you can go to growingslowbook.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today.
Thank you. Are you looking for a special gift for a preteen or teen reader? Consider The Seventh Son by Lonnie Forbes. Mayana is one of six royal daughters. Only one young woman will become empress, while the others will lose their lives. By chapter 17, I understood that The Seventh Son is the first book in a beautiful allegory. Even as I invested in Mayana's story, this allegory made me consider my own life. What does my God truly require of me? Am I simply doing religious rituals because that's what I've been taught? Or is there something more to them? This is a beautifully written story that gets readers to look at truth, love, and sacrifice in a unique way. Check out Lonnie's Forbes book, The Seventh Son. for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com and I can't wait until we connect again.